The MMA on the Rocks podcast is intended for adult audiences and does contain some explicit content. So if you are not an adult, please make sure your parents do not know you are listening to this and do not repeat anything you hear on this show in front of them. Also a reminder that even if you fight recklessly, please remember to drink responsibly. Now that we have that out of the way, let's get to the show. Welcome to MMA on the Rocks. My name is Bill Welker. You are listening to episode number 99, or you're watching it on YouTube. Today is Thursday, July the 5th, the day after the 242nd birthday of our great nation, United States of America. I am joined, sitting directly next to me, fresh off a plane all the way from New Jersey, Jeff, the Animal Wilson. Jeff, welcome to Florida. We get to do this episode face-to-face. I don't think we've done this in about 100 episodes. How do you feel Bill, here in the Sunshine State, my friend? Bill, I'm so glad to be here. It's always a pleasure to come visit you and the wife. And the flight was a little bit annoying. People just don't know how to travel on airplanes. Apparently, reading letters and numbers is pretty hard, Um, so people have trouble finding their seats. But, Bill, we're here, so get used to it. Yeah, you're here, and you came to the right place, because, you know, it's not annoying, a fully stocked bar. So, we went down to my bar uh, as soon as you came in the house, and um, this is, of course, after hitting a, a brewery in Tampa this afternoon. Maybe it was this morning. We can't disclose that here. Uh, <laughs> so you took a look at my bar. I'll post a picture on social media for everybody to, to see what your selection was. But you picked out this bottle of Grand Canyon whiskey that I brought back with me from Arizona. We talked about it on an episode back in October. You sounded very interested in it. So I did the unthinkable and I saved some for you. And we're sipping on some of this now. What are your thoughts on this Grand Canyon whiskey, and also cheers. We got to do a live cheers here. Get that clink for the audio listeners there. There we go. What are your what What's your reaction to this here? So, Bill, as you know, this stuff is a little strong. So I love it on the rocks. It waters it down a little bit, but dude, this will put some hair on your chest. And while it does have a nice burn to it, it's really smooth going down. I'm really enjoying this so far. Yeah, I, I always like the combination of the burn and the smooth. You do a little bit of ice, maybe like two ice cubes with it, helps it go down a little bit. I get some vanilla in there, uh, a little bit of sweetness, maybe some honey on the aftertaste. But yeah, the, it's got a nice burn to it. So it's a 42%, so that means, makes it an 84 proof whiskey. You know, not the strongest thing on the shelf, but it definitely does have that burn to it. So Grand Canyon whiskey as always for the people on youtube i'll hold the bottle up to the camera uh this was not something i sought out this was something that uh the guy at the liquor store had recommended and i was just in a a random town outside of phoenix i don't remember where i was exactly if you go back and listen to the episode from october or so i'm sure it has some kind of arizona pun in the title uh you can know exactly where i got this but yeah it's not something i sought out i didn't even know that arizona had 
whiskeys because everybody told me uh, you got to check out the breweries. So I was I was pleasantly surprised to find this as well as the Delbach. Unfortunately, I don't have any more of that, but the the Delbach I did stumble across while I was in Arizona. That comes out of Tucson, and that's the Mesquite whiskey. All right, so bear with us here. We may experience some technical difficulties because there is a possible typhoon going on here. <laughs> uh, but and, and we lost power a little bit earlier, but. So far, so good. So, Jeff, International Fight Week. A lot going on in the MMA world right now. We have the Professional Fighters League 3 going on tonight, headlined by Jake Shields and Ray Cooper III. We have the Ultimate Fighter Season 27 finale tomorrow night, headlined by Brad Tavares and Israel Adesanya. Then we have UFC 226 on Saturday night, headlined by the super fight between Daniel D.C. Cormier and Stipe Miocic, heavyweight champion versus light heavyweight champion. I would like to have done a chronological breakdown here, but we already broke down the PFL. We're going to watch that as soon as we're done recording here. I'll get to the Tough 27 finale in a minute because I really like this card. I actually really enjoyed this season, but we have to start with UFC 226, which as of right now, and it is 8.18 Eastern Time, the co-main event is off. And it has been replaced by Francis Ngannou and Derek Lewis. So Max Holloway, unfortunately, had to pull out of the co-main event uh, defending his featherweight championship against Brian Ortega. I texted you, I think, around 12.30 last night. You're getting ready to get on a flight at like 4 o'clock in the morning. You thought I was fucking with you. Uh, what was your honest reaction when you found out that this news was real and that Max Holloway was out? So, Bill, my flight was at 6 a.m. And for some reason, I don't like to sleep before a flight. I get antsy. Um, so I started watching Cheers, which we're both a fan of. And as soon as that text came in, Bill, I was like, this guy's got to be messing with me. As soon as I land tomorrow and he picks me up from the airport, he's going to be like, gotcha. <laughs> the main, the co-main event is still on. But, Bill, I started doing some research, started searching in the Twittersphere, and sadly, Max Holloway, symptoms of a concussion getting really bad, had to pull out. I was super disappointed. So, Bill, you talked about, well, we talked about this earlier at lunch, but... There were certain signs during an interview. So why don't we just do a quick recap of that and what happened? Yeah, so Max Holloway, the story is that he suffered a concussion at some point during his training camp. Very recently, I guess he was sparring a little bit too hard. They thought he was better. And then he did an interview with UFC Tonight or whichever the one is that Michael Bisping is on. And he just seemed out of it. He didn't seem himself. His eyes were hazy, almost seemed like he was kind of high uh, or just exhausted. And Bisbang called him out on it. He said, you know, Max, how's your weight cut going? You look like you just woke up. What's going on? And he was like, no, no, I'm fine. Kind of brushed it off. But if you go back and look at this video, which is circulating the internet currently, you'll see he was definitely out of it. So after that interview, he fell asleep and his team couldn't wake him up. And... That's a scary thing. When you can't wake your fighter up, you know they've had a concussion earlier in the week. Uh, and when they did manage to wake him up, he couldn't string a sentence together. So 
Obviously, we're concerned for Max Holloway's health. This is now the third fight in a row he has had to pull out of. So he had the broken ankle when he was supposed to fight Frankie Edgar, I believe, in March. Then uh, a month and a half later, he tried to get in there last minute against Khabib. New York State Athletic Commission pulled the plug because he was cutting too much weight. I believe it was somewhere in the vicinity of 30-plus pounds. Definitely not good for his health. And now we have the concussion with Brian Ortega. So we have to hope, first and foremost, that the champ's health is okay. Second of all, we have to be devastated that we're not going to get to see this fight. I was so intrigued by it. I didn't know how it was going to go down. It seems like Max Holloway is unbeatable right now. It also seems like Brian Ortega is unbeatable and unbeaten. You know, you and I both didn't think he was ready to hang with the likes of Frankie Edgar, and he demolished Frankie Edgar. Uh, word on the street is that Brian Ortega was offered Jeremy Stevens for an interim championship fight last minute. He declined that. Probably a smart move. I don't know how much of a threat Jeremy Stevens would be to Brian Ortega, but. Jeremy Stevens has the ability to put anybody out with one punch. Uh, what was your reaction to Brian Ortega not fighting on the card? Good move, or, or do you think he should keep himself relevant here? I think it's a smart move, man. Um, you know, he took his title shot from a Frankie Edgar who made a gutsy decision to take that last-minute fight against Ortega. And, you know, I think that Ortega was smart. Not saying that Frankie Edgar made a bad choice. I think he's one of the toughest dudes around. But Ortega is playing it safe, and I don't think you can blame him for that. He wants to hold on to his title shot. He knows he can fight Max Holloway when he's better. And, you know, why go for the interim belt when you just wait a little bit, keep training, and go for the actual undisputed belt? And like you said, man, Jeremy Stevens is a dangerous guy. Super unpredictable, throws strikes from very weird angles, and with a lot of power. So I think that he made the right choice with his camp here. And Bill, I'm going to just play devil's advocate here for saying that Max Holloway pulled out of his last three fights. Because I don't know if you can really count the fight with Khabib. It was super last minute. It was like a week's notice. So mm -hmm. I think we can let that one slide. But I think you're also correct in saying that we need to worry about the champ's health here. It, he hasn't fought in a while. And those injuries start to pile up. I mean, just ask Dominic Cruz, who was out for a long time with injuries that he wouldn't let them heal properly, started training again, and then boom, he's injured worse. Yeah. I definitely give Holloway a pass on, on all three. Don't get me wrong. I'm not accusing him of being like a pullout merchant or anything like that. The The point was, like you said, these, these injuries are adding up. You know, the broken ankle, the weight cutting, which is terrible for him, the concussion. And... I don't think that he is pulling out. I think his team is doing the right thing and protecting their fighter and taking him out of harm's way. Uh, who knows what could have happened to him. He goes to continue his weight cut with his concussion. The symptoms get better or worse if he ignores him. And then he goes in there and he takes a blow to the head from Ortega, who, as we've seen, has some nasty striking. And uh, Ori gets choked out. You know, this could be permanent brain damage here. Uh, this is not... Uh, you know, field hockey or or softball that we're playing here. You know, th this is this is definitely uh, blunt head trauma that's going on here. So uh, I don't want to spend too much time on this, but uh, so what we're left with is I would have liked to see Brian Ortega stay on the card. I would have liked to see him maybe take a fight that wouldn't affect his title chances. Maybe take on a 155 pounder like Dan Hooker. 
I would have liked to see that. If Paul Felder were still fighting at 155, I would love to see Felder take on Ortega. And you know Felder's game. He'll step in and take on anybody. And uh, so if Brian Ortega steps up on weight to stay on the card, to stay involved in International Fight Week, be the company guy, I don't think that should affect his standing at featherweight. So that's what I would have liked to see. It didn't happen. I'm not running this company, Jeff. Uh, you know, some say I should be. And <laughs> they're very... <laughs> Bill, you can't make me laugh when I just took a sip of this beautiful Grand Canyon whiskey. I know. Whiskey. We don't want you wasting any of that. It's too good. Um, in, in any case, that's what I would have liked to see. But uh, it, the bright side of this is we get Nganu and Derek Lewis... Uh, as the co-main event we'll get into that when we start breaking down the whole card and we also get paul felder and platinum mike perry being bumped up to the main card so let's get to that in a minute let's kick things off here with the full breakdown of the ultimate fighter season 27 finale so for those who haven't been watching this season was coached by the main event of ufc 226 heavyweight champ stipe miocic and light heavyweight champ daniel cormier uh, I thought it was a very enter- entertaining season. The twist on this season was all the fighters, uh, featherweights and lightweights, were going into the season undefeated. So you had a high, higher skill level than you normally get with uh, the Ultimate Fighter. Uh, I, what were your thoughts uh, on the season overall, Jeff? And do you think do we have any uh, superstars that potentially emerged out of here? Yeah, dude, I really liked a lot of the fights, especially those eliminators to get to the finals. Uh, I unfortunately was unable to catch all of last night's fight, but I was able to catch the highlights. It looked like they put on a great show. A lot of these guys have a lot of talent, and it just goes to show that some of those smaller organizations have real gems hidden in there. And I love the stipulation that everybody's undefeated, and Bill... Just looking at this card top to bottom, I think we have a really interesting cast of characters. Um, Like we said, that one guy, John Gunther, shears llamas. (laughs) But at the same time, there's a lot of skill in these guys, and I love it. I think the UFC is stepping their game up when they're hunting for these young guys. Yeah, for sure. I I thought that last night's fight between Brad Katona and Jay Cuccinello uh, for the semifinals... Uh, was probably the best fight of the season. And Jay Cuccinello obviously was finished earlier in the season. He stepped up uh, last minute to replace another fighter who was injured. And he was a huge underdog against Brad Katona, who, um, not Brad Katona, uh, the fighter that he fought. He's fighting Brad Katona in the finals. Um, The guy that he fought was... I can't remember for the life of me who it was. I can't either. Uh, Tyler Diamond, I believe. In any case, Cuccinello was not supposed to win. He was the replacement for the injured fighter. He'd already been finished earlier in the tournament. He almost got knocked out in the first round twice. Uh, and then he came back with a really gutsy performance and knocked out his opponent in the third round. So I think him and Katona is going to be a very interesting finale. Uh, what are your thoughts on Mike Trezano and Joe Giannetti, who very much, Giannetti reminds me of a young Nate Diaz. Just because he's so lanky, he's got some slick submissions because of his long limbs. Uh, he pulled off a really 
nice high elbow guillotine early in the season in his first fight. Uh, this guy took probably the least amount of damage of anybody in the whole house because he finished with some quick submissions. Uh, what are your thoughts on this uh, featherweight finale here? Bill, I love it. I think Mike Trezano is super dangerous. I think he was definitely one of the uh, front runners in this competition, especially in their weight class, which was 145? Yes, I believe so. Yeah, uh, I got the lines blurred a little bit in weight classes, but, dude, Mike Trezano's pretty dangerous. He's really well-rounded, and Gennetti is well-rounded too, man. Uh, Yeah, he's good on the ground, but I don't think he struggles too much on the feet, and I think he has a very high skill level in terms of his wrestling and being able to go from standing to the ground game. For sure. I think we have uh, definitely two great uh, finale matchups for this season and I think we have a great man event also in Brad Tavares against Israel Adesanya who's a very dynamic striker as we saw in the last round of his last fight he lacks in the wrestling department I don't know if that will be a problem against Tavares or not as we know Tavares likes to keep things standing uh, but he does have some grappling Adesanya does not so it depends if Tavares wants to have a game plan here. I'm also hearing rumors that Tavares may be coming into this fight injured. There was even a rumor of him possibly pulling out of this main event. So I don't know how that's going to impact. It's a quick turnaround for both of these fighters. They fought about two months ago. So what are your thoughts on this as a main event? And uh, how do you think this one's going to go down? So as a main event, I love it. I think that it's a good cherry on top for all the great fights that we have. A lot of these guys from the house uh, and this past season are going to be fighting each other on this card. But dude, is dangerous on the feet, and so is Tavares. So I don't see this fight ending in a decision at all. I think it's going to end somewhere within three rounds. Uh, but I'm super excited for this fight. Both of these guys are awesome on the feet, so it should be fireworks. Yeah, I'd say aggression and power. I would definitely give the advantage to Tavares, but uh, creativity and accuracy, I would give the advantage to Israel Adesanya. So if this fight stays on the feet, we should see some fireworks here. And a free fight card, International Fight Week. Can't be mad at that. All right, I'm going to throw three fights at you. We got Alex Caceres, Bruce Leroy, and Martin Bravo going at it. So a couple of featherweights on here. Bravo, more of a newcomer. Caceres has kind of been around the block a few times. Barb Honchak, experienced Ultimate Fighter alumni now, taking on Roxanne Modafferi, uh, legend of Invicta, uh, has been in some brutal wars. Uh, and both, both of these fighters were on the uh, flyweight season of the, the inaugural flyweight season of the Ultimate Fighter. And then we have Alessio DiCirico taking on the highly touted prospect from the Tuesday Night Contender Series, Julian Marquez. So, of these fights, which one of them is wetting your palate the most here, Jeff? Bill, I'm going to go with the women's flyweight division in this one. Barb Honchak, super experienced, super tough fighter, especially on the feet. And Roxanne Modafferi, again, she has evolved her game so much. Um, She used to be okay at things. Now she stands out in striking. Her jiu-jitsu, top-notch. So, I think that... If this one goes all the way, I think Barb Honchak can maybe tough it out and win. But if it's going for a finish, I think Modafferi has developed the skills to get a finish in this round, in this fight. Yeah, fair enough. All right. Uh, e- either way, this is a great card up and down. 
We got a lot of the other uh, contestants from the Ultimate Fighter season, the undefeated season, competing on this. They put on some great fights throughout the season. Uh, if you have the time to kill, uh, you know, instead of watching a Netflix series or something, go back and watch Ultimate Fighter season 27. It's not. It didn't bring the drama that past seasons have brought. There was no pranks really there were, there was a couple of, of pranks with Stipe putting pictures of his dick in DC's locker room and stuff like that but no real pranks like I, I think back to season one when they put the hose on Chris Lieben and then when he was trying to sleep outside uh and you know like alcohol fueled antics and doors getting kicked down I would hate to be a door on the set of the ultimate <laughs> fighter uh you know five or six years ago uh, so it didn't bring that kind of drama, but the fights were awesome. High-caliber athletes, they took this seriously. They were there to learn from two of the best champions in the history of the sport, and that's exactly what happened. So I, I think uh, we're going to see a couple of stars emerge from this season, and I think we're going to see a couple of contracts given out as well. Unless you have any other thoughts on the tough, tough uh, 27 finale, Jeff, let's uh, move things right along and talk about one of the biggest fight cards of the year capping off international fight week and that is ufc 226 and of course it's headlined by the heavyweight champ stipe miocic taking on the light heavyweight champ daniel cormier this is a super fight if there's ever been a super fight uh these are two highly skilled athletes who have somewhat similar skill sets they both have a wrestling base they both like to box Neither one of them is going to be throwing too many kicks, uh, DC, if either of them. So we've kind of grazed over this fight a couple of times. Let's take the deep dive. What are your thoughts on this as a main event, and how do you see it going down here? Bill, you called this a super fight. Bill, this is the super fight. I mean, you've got the baddest man on the planet, Stipe Miocic versus Daniel Cormier, who's undefeated at heavyweight. And Bill, I don't care if you lost to John Jones. He's the light heavyweight champion. He's defended the belt. It's not like he doesn't deserve it. He's living John Jones' life right now. Why? Because Jones made some mistakes. Now, uh, I'm not putting him at fault. Everybody makes mistakes. But you can't discredit Daniel Cormier and what he's done in both heavyweight and light heavyweight divisions. And dude... I really don't know how this one's going to go down. Miocic has a high-level uh, pedigree of wrestling. He's wrestled in the NCAA. He's been a Golden Gloves champion, so you know he can strike. He can knock people out, backing up like he did to Fabricio Verdum. And Cormier, dude, was the captain of the Olympic wrestling team. If that isn't a good enough resume, I don't know what is. I feel like his striking has improved so much. He's so good at close-range combat, which Stipe likes as well. He doesn't really use his length as much as he could. But I don't know, dude. Uh, it's, there's so many X-factors that I, I really don't know how this is going to go down. I think this is going to be um, a marathon, not a sprint. I think it's going to go to a decision. Mm -hmm. But... I don't know. I don't know what else to add. What do you think, Bill? How do you, these guys match up? I think there's a lot of different ways it could go. And I think the outcome is going to depend on Stipe. Because Stipe is the only one of the two that we have seen vary his game plan. You know what DC is going to do. DC is going to try and get inside dirty box because he often gives up reach to his opponents, even at light heavyweight. You know, he's got the T-Rex arms going on, but he's got power inside. So he wants to get in. He wants to land those uppercuts. 
and then once he works you up, butters you up a little bit with the striking or knocks you out, then he wants to get in, get a body lock, and drag you to the ground into his waters and just wear on you. We know that's what DC is going to come in and do. We have seen Stipe come in with different game plans. Out of the two fighters, he definitely has the more varied approach. We've seen him strike against grapplers. We've seen him strike against strikers. We've seen him wrestle strikers. We've seen him wrestle grapplers. Uh, the only problem Stipe has had is with lengthy strikers. He's been knocked out by St Stefan Struve, and he has the loss to Junior Dos Santos. So Daniel Cormier doesn't have the qualities of either of those fighters. He doesn't have the length. He doesn't have the reach. So I don't know how he could give Stipe problems. However, we've seen Cormier give problems to big heavyweights before. When he entered the Strike Force Grand Prix as an alternate in the second round, they had to add his name to the title belt after he won the whole thing because he just came in to replace an injured Alistair Overeem and was definitely not expected to win the whole thing. He just stepped in, boom, won the whole tournament, ragdolled Josh Barnett, who is one of the best wrestlers in the history of the heavyweight division, UFC or anywhere else, Pride, uh, you name it, Josh Barnett has been there, and DC manhandled him. He's manhandled Dan Henderson, who's a phenomenal wrestler. Uh, so if DC gets his hands on you, I feel like he can get you to the ground. Uh, and like you said, undefeated at heavyweight, he's won more fights at heavyweight than he has at light heavyweight. He's won 13 fights at heavyweight and let's see he's 21 so he's won seven fights at light heavyweight only one loss and that's to john jones so cormier you could say has the same weaknesses as stipe he uh struggles with guys who are lengthy and and good strikers so they've both been knocked out by long rangey strikers uh so again my analysis is going to be that it will totally depend on stipe if stipe comes in and lets dc play his game then it's going to be a rough night for Stipe. If Stipe dictates the pace, it's going to be a rough night for DC because Stipe, I believe, has the power advantage. If he can keep it on the feet and keep it at a distance and work his boxing from the outside, it's going to be a great night for Stipe Miocic, and I think he's going to cement his legacy as the greatest heavyweight of all time. On the other hand, DC can cement his legacy if he becomes a two-division champion. So, wow, that's an exciting fucking main event. I cannot wait. It almost made me forget, almost, that we lost the featherweight <laughs> fight between Max Holloway and Brian Ortega. But in the main and co-main, at least we get to keep things in the heavyweight division. We could get to see an interesting call out here. We have Francis Ngannou, who's the number one contender in the heavyweight division, taking on Derek Lewis, who is always entertaining, if not in the cage, then on social media. Uh, what are your thoughts on these two titans? Uh opening up the the co-main event here or or leading in to the main event i should say bill here's the thing about these two guys you cannot turn away from your screen during this fight both of these guys have unbelievable knockout power now they've both have shown weaknesses in cardio and stamina but i feel like Derek lewis might have a little bit more of an edge in that department we've seen him go three rounds um, three good rounds. We've seen him come back in the end, but I don't think he's fought anybody who hits nearly as hard as Francis Ngannou. I mean, we've seen him. I thought he killed Alistair Overeem. I mean, dude, these guys both have knockout power, so I feel like 
it's two trains coming at each other. And you can't turn away from this fight. Bill, I, I don't think this fight goes out of the second round. Yeah, I am very excited for the first four minutes of this fight. Once it goes past that, we've seen Ngannou give up in the cage. Uh, you know, maybe it won't be as early as the first four minutes. but And then we all remember Derek Lewis, the, uh, the famous chicken and ribs incident when he fought Mark Hunt, who I would argue possibly hits as hard as Francis Ngannou. Uh, maybe not as explosive, but definitely, you know, throws hard cement in his hands. So... I would like to see this one end in the first round. Uh, however, we have seen Francis Ngannou's wrestling exposed. Uh, Derek Lewis can take him down, I believe. Uh, I don't think he's a very experienced grappler, but I don't think it takes a very experienced grappler uh, to take Francis Ngannou down because he showed how uh, low-level his wrestling was. Stipe exposed that when they fought. Uh, so it's definitely an interesting fight. And I, I think it's a great co-main event. I, I am not disappointed at all. Well, I'm still disappointed to lose Holloway and Ortega, but uh, I'm okay with this. I, I still feel like we have a solid main card. I still think this is worth purchasing on pay-per-view, which is what you and I are going to do on Saturday night after we uh, you know, do a little grappling in the morning and then come back and slow roast a pork butt uh, that I just... Uh, <laughs> that, that I... <laughs> And I just rubbed down in the kitchen. <laughs> yeah. So, Bill, while on the subject of rubbing butts, totally perfect transition here. I have a question for you. How do you think Ngannou's mentality is right now? Now, I know we're not his coaches, we're not in his camp or anything, but do you think that in the back of his mind he's thinking, man, Stipe, wipe the floor with me. I don't know if I'm ready to get back in the cage. What do you think? Do you think there's a little bit of doubt? No. I think Francis Ngannou has a lot of confidence. I think he does things the smart way. I think he went back and started working on some things. He did rock Stipe a couple of times in that fight, so he knows he can get his hands on him. Uh, and if he can do it early enough in the fight, uh, you know he can knock out anybody in this division. So I think he's confident enough to know that and be aware of that. And I think if he has a knockout over Derek Lewis, who is much bigger than Stipe, I think that'll give him an additional boost of confidence, and he'll be ready to get in there. On the other hand, if Derek Lewis were to win this fight, I don't think he's ready for a title shot just yet. Uh, I think we need to see him in there with uh, one other fighter. I see Curtis Blades possibly getting the winner of this fight. Uh, I know he's vying for a title shot, which he probably deserves, but I would like to see a rematch of Ngannou and Curtis Blades, and Curtis Blades and Derek Lewis would be a great fight as well. I think Curtis Blades has been looking phenomenal. He's really been showing off his wrestling prowess in his last couple of fights, so I would really like to see him take on the winner of this and uh, see either Stipe or Cormier take a little bit of time off and see what happens. Uh, you know, with these heavyweight fights, you can have a quick turnaround because they don't stay in there very long. So moving down the card, a fight that we were supposed to have a couple of months ago, but it got ruined by a certain Irishman uh, who likes to throw dollies at buses, and that's Michael Chiesa and Anthony Pettis. I was really excited for this fight the first time around. I think we did a deep breakdown of it. I think it's a very intriguing matchup, depending on which Anthony Pettis you get. Do you get the Anthony Pettis 
that's known for the Showtime kick, and he's jumping off the cage and kicking people in the face and submitting people off his back if he gets taken down, or do you get the kind of sluggish Anthony Pettis that looks like he may or may not want to do this anymore? And that's going to be a big determining factor. If you get the old-school Showtime Pettis in there against a game Michael Chiesa, who is one of the best grinders in this division, in a stacked division with a lot of grinders in it, I think you have a very intriguing matchup here. What are your thoughts, Jeff? I agree, Bill. And here's the thing about Pettis is we've seen him not be able to handle pressure well. For example, Rafael dos Anjos, um, the carpenter, Clay Guida. Once you're in his face... Max Holloway. Max Holloway. Once you're in his face and you're making him fight with his back to the cage... He doesn't know what to do too much, so if Michael Kessa can come out and dictate the pace, I think he has a really good chance here. And like you said, if the right Pettis comes out, if Showtime appears, then we're going to have an awesome fight. And it just depends on who can dictate the pace and who can get their game going first. For sure. That's a great point. Yeah, I think if Kessa can really uh, you know, put that pressure on Pettis, then, then that seems to be the recipe to beat him. But... Uh, who knows? Maybe he's been working on it. Uh, you know, this is a guy at one time who was considered by many to be the top pound for pound fighter out there. Uh, you know, he was really something different in the WEC. He was a guy who could strike and submit you off his back, which was a very rare combination at the time. Uh, so moving on, we got Gokan Saki, who is one and one as a Miss Martial Artist. Uh, he, you know, he comes over from K1. He was a world champion kickboxer. Probably one of the deadliest strikers wearing four-ounce gloves. And he's taking on Ultimate Fighter alumni Khalil Roundtree, also known as a striker, but definitely has more grappling ability than Gokan Saki. I would love to see this one stay standing. I think it would be wise of Khalil Roundtree to take it to the ground. What are your thoughts on this fight, Jeff? Yeah, dude, I agree 100%. Now, I don't know too much about Saki, but I feel like Roundtree is well-rounded enough his striking's good he can grapple like you said so i and also a big factor here is just the experience you know khalil roundtree has so many more fights than saki he's one and saki's one and one so i think that inexperience might hurt him a little bit in this fight yeah for sure and saki uh almost knocked out in his last fight and he came and pulled a pulled a knockout out of his hat definitely a creative striker he definitely has uh, a level of awareness on the feet that is not common in the UFC. So he's got that in his back pocket for sure. Uh, next fight on the main card, Paulo Henrique Costa and Uriah Hall. So Costa coming in undefeated at 11-0 to take on Uriah Hall. You would think Hall is the lamb being led to slaughter here to build up Costa. Uh, you know, that's what my deductive reasoning would tell me. But Uriah Hall has been known to play the spoiler many times. Uh, you know, he's pulled some big upsets out of his hat. Uh, how do you see this one going down, Jeff? Um, like the Pettis and Kessa fight, I feel like it's whoever can dictate the pace first. Now, Costa's a huge middleweight, Bill. I think he could easily make light heavyweight. He's super dangerous on the feet. So I think if Uriah Hall can be a little technical, a little tricky, he kind of comes from weird angles sometimes. So if he can stick to that, I think he can give Costa a lot of problems. But Costa is has so much power he's very dangerous on the feet vicious right hand so it just depends if i think if uriah hall can uh keep his distance 
I think he has a really good chance of outclassing Costa with technique. Awesome. Cool. Great breakdown. So let's move on to the fight that was bumped up to the main card, and rightfully so. I think you'll agree. Platinum Mike Perry taking on Paul Felder. Now let's go down the yellow brick road of how this fight came together. <laughs> Justin Gaethje was meant to fight Ally Quinta next month. Ally Quinta had to pull out. I believe it was a knee problem. James Vick was meant to fight Paul Felder this weekend. James Vick gets the call for some reason to take on Justin Gaethje in the main event. I don't really see why he was chosen over Paul Felder there. I'm not sure what the rankings are, but I feel like Paul Felder has uh, more of the headlining name status here. Uh, I could be wrong. Uh, maybe maybe James Vick uh, earns it. James Vick, definitely the biggest uh, lightweight in the division. So Paul Felder offered a fight against Mike Perry at welterweight. So Paul Felder moving up in weight here. Now, don't be deceived. Paul Felder may not be the smaller fighter in there. He's a big lightweight. And Mike Perry is a very thick, very short, stocky welterweight with a lot of discipline. And if he lost a little bit of muscle mass, he could easily fight at 155. So I feel like you're going to see two fighters that are very evenly matched here and again we're going with this trend i think it's going to be whoever dictates the pace if perry is able to get in paul felder's face and get in his head it's going to be a rough night for paul felder we know he's got a lot of scar tissue we know he cuts easily and we know perry can crack however if paul felder is able to initiate a smart game plan maybe mix in some takedowns frustrate perry uh, throw straight punches right down the pipe, much like Max Griffin did to him, then we're going to see Paul Felder walk through this fairly easily. However, he can't give in to Perry's brawling style. Uh, what are your thoughts on this one? And I'm going to assume that you agree it should have been bumped up to the main card here with the absence of the featherweight championship. Yeah, absolutely. Happy that this card is, that this fight is on the main card. And dude, here's the thing. Paul Felder... He's been in tight spots before, and we've seen him be able to ride out storms. Um, so whether Mike Perry can bring that storm to him, we'll see. Uh, I think he can, obviously, but if Felder can last that out and then stick to a game plan, we've seen Mike Perry fail to guys who um, are more technical. You know, he likes to brawl. If Paul Felder doesn't uh, play his game and sticks to being technical, which we know he can... I think that if he mixes in some takedowns as well, he can get a win over Mike Perry. And Bill, um, you know, off a little bit off topic, but not really. I feel like Paul Felder kind of got snubbed, snubbed by the UFC. Uh, I would have loved to seen him versus Justin Gaethje. I feel like Paul Felder is a smart fighter. You know, he's proven his medal in there. So I would have loved to seen to see him headline a UFC fight night against Justin Gaethje. Yeah, and let's not forget this would be the second time in a row that the rug has been pulled out underneath Paul Felder because he trained and made weight to fight Ally Quinta when Ally Quinta got called up to fight Khabib not too long ago. So here he was in a training camp again, which is no easy task, and then he's being told his fight is off. Uh, but just in case he let his diet get away from him, he does get to move up to welterweight, which I'm sure he didn't. I think Paul Felder is disciplined both in and outside of camp. All right, just because we've been going for a long time, it's been a lot of fights to break down. I'm going to give you three 
off the prelims here. So we got Rafael Asuncao and Rob Font going at it. I think that's a very interesting matchup. The sleeper fight for me, which is Dan Hangman Hooker and Gilbert Burns. I think that fight is going to be absolute fireworks. As well as Lando Venata and Drakkar Close. I think you're going to see some fireworks there as well. Obviously, we're going to watch all of these. Which one is jumping off the page to you as you're looking up and down the card here, Jeff? Oh, man, Bill, this is a tough one, man. But I'm gonna ha- I'm gonna have to go with Rafael Asuncao and Rob Font. I think that both of these guys are dangerous on the feet. Um, obviously, Asuncao has a good grappling background as well. But dude, I think this is gonna be an explosive fight to headline the prelims on this card. Yeah, absolutely, I agree. And uh, you know, Hooker and Burns and Venata and Close, I think those are going to be fireworks and then you have also have curtis melander and max griffin i think you're going to see a more technical striking matchup there definitely interesting uh this is a an awesome card up and down obviously we're gonna we're gonna spend all of saturday looking forward to this we're gonna get some grappling in in the morning over at gracie clearwater and then we're gonna smoke some pork butt we're gonna have some beers possibly some scotch and then sunday we're going to have episode 100. We've been doing this for two years now, Jeff. This MMA on the Rocks podcast. So, first of all, I want to thank everybody who has listened to all 200 episodes. Or even listened to one. Even if this is your first time with us here on MMA on the Rocks. We thank you for listening. Jeff and I were talking about this earlier today. We'd be doing this whether people were listening or not. So yeah. <laughs> uh, this is what we like to do. We like to drink whiskey. We like to talk about MMA. And we've had a blast doing it. However, we need some ideas to do something special for the 100th episode. Jeff is going to be here. We will be breaking down the Professional Fighters League card that we're going to watch now. As the main main card starts in about five minutes. We're going to break down the Tough 27 finale. We're going to break down UFC 226. But we need some ideas to do something special for the 100th episode. So if you have something on your mind that you would have liked to see us do that's different than normal, we're actually going to be in studio together, uh, let us know on social media. You guys can get a hold of Jeff at Animal underscore Wilson on Twitter. And of course, you guys know how to get a hold of me. It's at MMA on the Rocks everywhere on social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Send me a Facebook message. Send me an email, MMAontherocks at gmail.com. Let us know what you guys are thinking and drinking during International Fight Week. Let us know your thoughts on the fights, and let us know what you want to see us do for the 100th episode. Could be something wild, could be something crazy, could be something just a little bit different than we normally do. We're always interested in feedback. Whenever people have it, we listen. Thanks for listening and subscribing and for leaving us reviews and for interacting with us on social media. You got anything else, Animal? Guys, just thank you. This has been such a fun ride. We've been doing this for about two years now. And, Bill, I never get tired of talking to MMA. We did, like, like we said, we'd be doing this anyway. So thank you guys for listening to two guys who just like hanging out, watching fights, and then talking about them. Yep. Well said. And this was a middle-of-the-week episode. We'll be back on Sunday to break down... All of the fights that took place during International Fight Week. Until then, we're going to go have some more whiskey, and we're going to start watching some fights right now. So until Sunday, cheers, everybody. Goodbye.